Welcome back to the Branding Blog Podcast. I'm Dave Young. And this week, I want to welcome back Roy H. Williams III. We touched on your upcoming book the last time we talked back in August. And I know that in the meantime, you've had one session of the Pendulum class, the new right. the new curriculum. Uh, so I wanted to touch base with you and see how that went. And, uh, and then just dig a little bit deeper into the book itself. And um, I'm really kind of curious because I, I, it's not really anything that was covered uh, in any great detail in the previous Pendulum presentation. And I know you're going to get into it in the book. Um, I'm interested in the scary bits. Yeah, Dave, I'll tell you. Um, whenever we were approached about doing this book, my original reaction was, hey, you know, it's old news. In January of 2004, whenever I said, you know what, it's a very interesting thing that's happening. This is the, the second year of a six-year transitionary window. And mm-hmm. I said, so 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 are going to be very, very wonderful years of transition from a 40-year me cycle into a 40-year we cycle. It, it, it feels real refreshing as you go from, from one Right. To Anytime you're in a six-year transitionary window, it's magical. The, I mean, the new things that happen in those windows are just breathtaking. Now, remember, um, the last time we were in a six-year transitionary window was 1963, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. So when people talk about the 60s, uh-huh. they're not talking about 60, 61, or 62. That was the tail end of the 50s. Sure. They're talking about 63, through 68. 69 was kind of the first year of the 70s. And we just got through with that. And so, you know, after 2009, hey, the transition was over. Uh-huh. And they were going, you know, well, what happens next? And I said, well, you don't really want to know what happens next. And they said, yeah, we actually do. And so to answer your question, Dave, scary stuff, right? Yeah. Um, the first thing I did is I said, you know, Standing up in front of a crowd of people for an hour and a half and entertaining them with some pretty interesting observations that they can tell from their own experience seem to be true, well, that's easy. But when you put it in a book, it ha- it's going to be held up under a much higher level of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, I better see if I can disprove this theory because that's true science. I'm going to try to disprove my theory. And I looked at nine specific ways. And these are listed in the front of the book. These are the nine different ways I attack my theory. Now, the big one, Dave, was, well, you know, if this is really true, and if Western society has been following a pattern, I first need to decide what is Western society? Where did it start? What are its roots? How far back does Western society go? And who is included and who is not included in Western society? Sure. I mean, because that's one of the things that that people always – I, I can remember people talking about that with, with even the first presentation was, mm-hmm. ah, well, you know, is this true in Asia? Is this exactly. true? Well, we went into that really hugely. Okay. And what we found was uh, we put in the early chapter of the book and in, in the new book, we say, look, Western society, we went back 3,000 years, Dave. We went back to the time of Solomon. Okay. And, and let me give you the Reader's Digest version. What we found, and I'll come back to the Western society thing here in a minute. What we found is that not only was the theory true, but it was true and reliable way, way beyond what we ever suspected, what we ever dreamed. It actually got a little bit frightening how astoundingly reliable it was. 
for 3,000 years. And so what happened was I noticed when I began studying the 40-year zeniths of the me and the we, Mm -hmm. every 40 years for 3,000 years, we documented every one of them. And we actually challenge the reader in this book, Dave. We tell them, hey, look, it's going to be really easy to suspect that the authors of the book selected the data that would reinforce their premise. Mm-hmm. I said, so please, we know that we didn't do that. So please, try to disprove this theory. Go looking for data that fits the dates that disproves the theory. And you'll find just the occasional small thing, but you will not find the big, sweeping societal things. So let's go back to who, who and what is Western society, okay? okay. All right. We begin by saying that 3,000 years ago, the roots of what we call Western society began, began in Persia and Israel. So if you go back to ancient Persia and ancient Israel, the thoughts, the leadership, the philosophies were then adopted by ancient Greece. Ancient Persia 3,000 years ago, ancient Greece about 2,700 years ago. Okay, and so when you look at Alexander the Great, and then from him, you know the, uh, um, well, all the other, you know, Hippocrates and Sophocles and all the other Cleses, and then you go from uh, Greece to Rome, so ancient Greek society to Roman society, from Roman society to Britain, and then from Britain. So if you're looking at all these dynasties, if you will. Sure. You know, Israel and Persia, and then Greece, and then Rome, and then, and you can watch it. It moves literally from the edge of the Mediterranean westward, and you can look it out on a map. And so, um, Greece is a little bit north and west of Israel and Persia, mm-hmm. and then you have Rome a little bit north and west of that, and then you have Britain north and west of that, and then you have the U.S. and Canada, and then Australia, and all the things that Britain kind of colonized. And so U.S., Canada, Australia, and all the other British colonies are kind of what we're calling Western society. Now, Eastern society is basically Asia. And so, you know, right now one of my great rants, Dave, is where is Asia exactly? Because if you say the Orient, people will tell you that you're being politically incorrect and nobody wants to call it the Orient anymore. And I said, well, great, because Asia includes freaking Russia. And so are you telling me that Russia and India and China are all just one thing now called Asia? And that comes under the heading of, I think you people need to relax on the whole political correctness crap. There is an Orient, okay? Mm-hmm. It wasn't murder on the Asian Express. And so if you look at Asia, um, they're actually on an opposite cycle. That's become very, very clear to us. And we're going into a we as they're going into a me. Hmm. And so oh, that, that makes of, sense given China's emergence. Yeah, and what happens is if you want to sell stuff in China right now, easiest thing in the world, man, I'm telling you. Today, they're in the, let's see, uh, eighth year of the upswing of a me. Hmm. In other words, if you look at today's date, subtract 40 years, all right? Mm-hmm. It is currently 1971 in China. Now, I'm not talking about technology, I'm talking about. The forces and the motivations behind fashion and style. 
And so what is considered fashionable and socially acceptable? All you have to do is look at the stuff we were doing in the West in the 19, early 1970s, mm-hmm. adapt it, adapt that stuff, whether it's the advertising, the music, the products, the clothing, whatever. Adapt it to the cultural norm of the society. But the ideas and the driving forces, okay, big hair and individuality and do your own thing and be your own person and all that, mm-hmm. hey, that's exactly what's happening right now in China is the quest for differentiation and distinguishment and so freedom. Get over there and, and sell some uh, one-off customized modern-day muscle cars. There you go. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's, it's, right now, I guess, where all the really big diamonds are being sold in the world. Really? China, yeah, absolutely. And so all of the really extreme – as a matter of fact, you know, Tony Robbins and all of the, the kind of the positive thinking crowd, uh-huh. they can't fill a room in the U.S. these days because we're in a we. Guess where they're all at? Oh, wow. China, of course. And so the more that you begin to get into this, you go, wow, this is really very reliable. Now, here's the scary part. We were talking about scary part, right? I have one, I have one other question about right. – just because it came to mind. Are there – when when – Western society started in in Persia. Has are are there parts of Western what you would call Western society, or as this wave moved around the world, that are no longer part of it? Where, where does the Middle East fall in, in 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 this today? No, the Middle East is still part of Western society. Okay, if you look at Israel and uh, the Middle East, they're still in in Western society. Okay, even to this day. And so, no, they're not part of the Asian thing. Um. So the crazy thing is actually um, in the Pendulum presentation, it's now a super fast-paced eight-hour presentation, <laughs> really. I mean, it's just – it's rock'em, sock'em for eight hours. So the second day of the class is just decompression and application and questions and answers. Mm-hmm. But the whole first day is just a relentless um, brain-twisting information overload as you look at the evidence of 3,000 years, 40 years at a time. I can't wait it, to see it. In chronological order. Now, here's the nutty part. Okay, I saw something that I was, did not emerge when I did the first pendulum analysis. But when I went back 3,000 years, a second thing emerged. A second thing I had not noticed before. Now, Dave, your listeners will have possibly a hard time following this. But for you, it'll be easy. But we'll describe for your podcast listeners that if you imagine, um, call it a rainbow turned upside down, so a big smiley, you know, a big smile of a smiley face. Okay. And at the bottom of it is um, what we would consider, at the bottom of it is what we would consider the, um, the apex or the tipping point, the fulcrum, the fulcrum of the pendulum. Okay. That's when the pendulum is going straight down. So on the far left, on the upswing at the zenith on the left is the zenith of the we. And then on the right is the zenith of the me. Fulcrum at the bottom in the middle, zenith of the me on the right, zenith of the we on the left. So from the, from the fulcrum in the middle up to the zenith of the me mm-hmm. is 20 years. And then we begin to – those values begin to fade. Those forces begin to decline slowly, and it's 20 years back down. So up and down is a 40-year cycle. Mm-hmm. But then you have up and down on the we side, 20 years up and 20 years down. So that's a 40-year cycle. And so what happens in a me and what happens in a we are different. 
Now, that's the first presentation. That's the one that everybody has seen, many, many tens of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing I never noticed before. It makes perfect sense once it, it hit me, but we're the most in balance, we're the most you know, healthy within 10 years to the left or right of that fulcrum at the bottom. See, we're in balance. In either direction? At, at the tipping point, yes. And so the 20-year spectrum from halfway up on one side to halfway up on the other side. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that middle 20 years. So it's not from the zenith down to the fulcrum that matters. It's where are we at relative to the halfway points. So stay with me. This mm-hmm. is where it really gets weird. Remember, it's an 80-year round trip. If you're going to start at the fulcrum, up 20 to the zenith of the me, down 20, back to the fulcrum. Up 20 to the left, the zenith of the we, and then down 20 to the fulcrum. To be in the same position and headed in the same direction only happens once every 80 years. Right. It's 40 years up each side. So in an 80-year round trip, here's what's nutty. All right. Think from halfway down on the me. And so we've gone... Well, let's start at the bottom. Let's go start in 1963. 1963, halfway up would be 1993. And so the zenith, excuse me, 1973. Yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting all confused. So 63 at the bottom, 10 years up, 73. Now, 83 is the, is the zenith, and then 93 is halfway down. You with? Yep. All right. So from 73 to 93, with 83 being the zenith. That's when we're the most out of balance. That's when we're just too much all on one side and suffering for it. Out of balance and suffering for it. Same exact thing on the other side. Now, from 93 to 2013, we're kind of in balance again. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. The 10 years on either side of that fulcrum, that tipping point down at the bottom. Now, from 2013 up to 2023, which is the zenith of the next we, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a 10-year window, and then back down to 2033. So from 2013 to 2033, those are going to be the 10 years on either side of the zenith of the we, which is 2023 is the zenith. That is the ugliest 20-year window in the whole 80-year round trip. I mean, that's when, in in 3,000 years of history, every really incredibly ugly, vicious, vile witch hunt that we have ever created has always been within 10 years. It's been 10 years before or 10 years after. Within 10 years, that 20-year round trip with uh, the zenith of a we in the middle. So from 2013 to 2023 is the final 10 years of the upswing of this we. Mm-hmm. And then from 2023 to 2033 is the first 10 years of the downswing. Dave, we're getting ready to get headed into the ugliest, crappiest, most, difficult to manage, socially unbearable 20-year window of 80 years. And so I'm not really happy about that, which is why I wrote the book Invisible Heroes, which is the antidote to all of this. And I don't expect it to make a gigantic difference, but at least it's something I felt like I could do. Mm-hmm. So now stay with me. Are you seeing the halfway points now? Sure. Yep. I've got Let's it go sketched through. out. I'll, I'll, uh, cool. I'll either put my little illustration up or I'll find something. Here's what I want to do. I want to, let's start again from 73, halfway up the me, all right? 73 to 93, the 10 years on either side of the zenith of the me. Those are the hero worship years. 
Okay? Okay. Now, using the language of I'm okay, you're okay, mm-hmm. there are four cycles in that, in, that, in that process. Now, here's the deal. Whenever we're in the hero worship years, our mindset is, I'm not okay, you're okay. I wish I was John Wayne. I wish I was Clint Eastwood. I wish I was Elvis Presley. And so the hero worship years, I wish I was Michael Jackson. I'm not okay. You're okay. And so that's, that's when we're all trying to be bigger, grander, smarter, braver, more unique, more different, more whatever. And there's a lot of money to be made by people that can make you okay. Exactly. And so <laughs> – so that the whole hero worship and starting cults and following people that we think of as being, you know, people that we want to emulate, mm-hmm. that's, that's what's huge in those years. Now, from 93 to 2013, okay, mm-hmm. where we've been, I'm not okay, you're not okay. Mutual brokenness. Mutual brokenness. I'm screwed up, you're screwed up. You have faults, I have faults. Now, here's what's glorious. In that window of, I'm not okay, you're not okay. We're both screwed up. Hey, look, I'll show you mine. You show me yours. We'll both laugh for a minute and then never speak of it again. Let's just Mm -hmm. get this behind us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this whole idea, it feels like I'm okay, you're okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay. We're both broken. It feels okay. It feels like we're both fine. Now, when we're coming the other direction, which would be 2033, okay, mm-hmm. to 2053. Or more recently, the last time we were there was 1953 to 1970. This is, this is back crossing the zenith going the other direction. Crossing the zenith again. That, those are the years of I'm okay, you're okay. See, when we're coming toward the we, it's I'm not okay, you're not okay, mutual brokenness. And there are certain things that happen in those 20-year windows. In the mutual brokenness windows, there's things that happen. In the I'm okay, you're okay, I call that sunshine and rainbows. So from 53 to 73, okay, Mm -hmm. that was a sunshine and rainbows years. I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay. You be you and I'll be me and we'll be us. And, you know, uh, I want to buy the world a Coke. You know, I want to teach yeah. the world to sing in perfect harmony, apple trees, honeybees, snow white turtle doves. And so here's the one that I haven't mentioned yet. The final 10 years of the upswing of the we mm-hmm. is I'm okay, you're not okay. Legalism, judgmentalism, witch hunt. Check this out, man. Did you know that every time it has become fashionable to burn people or cut people's heads off, we're within 10 years of the zenith of a we? Hmm. I'm totally serious. The last time we were within 10 years of the zenith of the we, it was 1933, then the zenith was 43, and then halfway down from the zenith was 53. Did you know that from 1933 to 1953, we had Adolf Hitler began his rise— and we had his whole thing. This is when Joseph Stalin had his pogroms and cleansings. And also when uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy created his blacklists in America. And we locked up a bunch of uh, people of Japanese-American descent in American concentration camps. We don't mm-hmm. talk about that a lot anymore. But anytime we get self-righteous, judgmental, 
frightened, scared, and we develop a kind of a mob mentality, you know, we need to track down those bad people and get them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when we're in that witch hunt mentality, which was the final 10 years before the zenith of the we and the first 10 years after the zenith of the we. And the problem is what's driving it, Dave, is it's when working together for the common good, which is a beautiful dream, mm-hmm. working together for the common good becomes I'm okay, I'm good, but I'm not so sure about you. You're not as good as you need to be. Uh, I don't think you're, you know, you're not dividing your recyclables into enough different categories. Mm -hmm. You don't truly love the planet, you know. And there's this weird, weird, weird thing that gets hold, and you can see it happening already. I mean, let's look at the Republican primaries. I'm sorry, but the whole Tea Party thing could not happen except in the upswing of a we. Mm Mm-hmm. It has to happen in the upswing of a we. Where else do nutcases like Sarah Palin, Michelle Bachman, and Rick Perry actually stand in front of the American people and say, I think I'm qualified to be your president? I mean, let's be honest. And it has to be in these kinds of times. And, and so it, it leads to a mass scale of persecution. It leads to uh, opportunities for uh, the, the rise of things like fascism. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, think of it this way. Self-definition isn't defined so much by what you believe in and what you stand for, but self-definition is a function of what you exclude and what you stand against. Hmm. You know, we the good are going to persecute you the evil and eliminate you because you are just fundamentally evil. And we are frightened of you and suspicious of you, and you must be eliminated. And we get into that mentality, and we're very self-righteous about it, because remember, the original driving motive was working together for the common good. Right. And then it gets all out of control. And we begin to take it to levels it never should have gone. And then we finally get to the zenith and realize, gee, this is really out of control, and then you don't, there's not like somebody flips a switch and we suddenly wake up and come to our senses. Uh, it takes 10 more years for us to begin to realize and kind of soften a little bit and kind of, you know, even began the descent back into normalcy. And so if you look at 33 to 53, 1933 to 1953, it's where we're headed, man. And I'm saying when you go back 3,000 years, it would blow your mind how often all the stuff. It's like whenever I said to myself, Salem witch trials, witch hunt, right? Did you know that was right at the beginning of the final uh, 10 years in the zenith toward a we? Now, Dave, here's what's crazy. You're talking about the scary stuff. Um, if you realize that an entire round trip is 80 years, there's only 10 years on either side of a zenith. And so you go, okay, so a 20-year window in an 80-year round trip, the odds of an event happening by accident in that exact 20-year window mm-hmm. is only one in four, correct? Sure. Well, dude, 100% of the times that we've ever done this kind of crap, like Robespierre's Reign of Terror in France and the Salem Witch Trials in you know, 1629 and all that kind of stuff, all of it in that same 20-year window, I mean, over and over and over and over. And I said, crap, you know, this is not... Good and, and and Roy, I mean, it, it has to be that that there's, uh, I mean, there's there's really not going to be anybody around during the next 
22 years, 21 years, or at least even, even the next 10 years that really fully experienced this same part of the cycle. Well, see, that's why. Yeah. Here's what's crazy. That's why history must repeat itself. It's because we paid too little attention the first time. Well, and there's there's just nobody that has the experience. You can right. I mean, I mean and, and I I don't I don't want to say that the the book's not not a, a a terrific wake up call, but we we tend to overly rely when we look back at history. We tend to overly rely on our own experience as opposed to learning from the mistakes of others. Right. You know, if if it never happened to us, we don't believe it will ever happen again. Yeah. And it's like only when it has happened to you personally, and that's a great point that you're making. Do you believe that it can actually happen again? And so since nobody remembers Joseph McCarthy, okay, yeah, uh, when we get to there again, you have to be, you know, if you remember Joseph McCarthy from when you were like 12 years old, well, 80 years later, you're 92. Mm-hmm. And so your, your point is well made is um, I think in – um, I'm trying to remember what book it is. I think Psalms 90. It refers to the lifetime of the lifespan of man as three score and ten. Or it's actually a, a lamentation. It, it's a mourning. Mm-hmm. The lifespan of man is only being seventy years. And so, if the typical lifespan is about seventy years, and um, this is an eighty-year cycle, yeah. yeah, nobody remembers the last time this happened. Even even somebody that's eighty would have been a child. They would, yeah, they would have been an infant. You know, uh, there, there's a guy here in the town that I live in uh, named Benny Hockman, and he's still with us, but um, he's not making his uh, his speech circuit anymore. And and Benny grew up in Poland and was put in a in uh, I think he was at Dachau. Wow! Uh, as a young teenager. Wow! And spent uh, probably he he got sponsored over here and and ended up living in in my town. And spent, Roy, 40 years um, going out and speaking to high school students and telling his story. Wow. And, and showing them his tattoos. And wow. telling them exactly what he had to do in that camp in grim detail. You know, he was, he was on the patrol that, that uh, hauled the bodies out and pried the fillings out of their teeth and cut the wow. rings off their fingers. I mean, that was his job. Wow. And so, so he told that story and told it and told it. And I don't know how many thousands of kids have heard that story. And um, he told it, I think, for the last time a year or two ago because he just he just is getting too old to, to get out and do it. Well, I hope somebody videotaped it at least once. I, I think it exists somewhere, and, and he did write a book. Um, but You need but to track it, that down, man. You need to track that down. No, because I can do that. I've got a copy of it somewhere. Once again, what's going to happen is – when all these kinds of things starts happening again, you just go, wait a minute. You know, I remember being told that this kind of thing would begin to emerge, and this is how it would start, and this is what would happen next. Yeah. Did you know that during the, during the beginning, almost exactly 80 years ago, during the beginning of the last rise toward the zenith of a we, mm-hmm. a book was written called It Can't Happen Here <laughs> by Sinclair Lewis. And it was about a guy that rises to power in the U.S., and he's just a good old Southern boy who's talking about patriotism and loving your country, and he kind of just wraps himself in the flag. And then he starts, and he gets everybody on his side, and they're all like, yay, you know, you're, you're our guy. You're the one that we believe in. You're the most red, white, and blue of us all. And it was actually a warning. And this, this, it was originally written as a, as a book, and then it became a play. And the play appeared all over America in the late 1930s. And then um, 
This was immediately prior to the rise of Senator Joseph McCarthy. I mean, it was absolutely, I hesitate to use the word prophetic, but it was prescient. I mean, it absolutely predicted what would happen and how it would happen because when Joseph McCarthy gained power, Mm -hmm. nobody thought of him as a nut. They thought of him as the most red, white, and blue patriotic American. You know, he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. Mm-hmm. You know, we need more good men like him, more right-thinking men like him. <laughs> and then um, you're sitting here and you're going, oh, my gosh. And then it happened. And when Sinclair Lewis wrote that book, It Can't Happen Here, um, it's a novel. It's actually a novel. And every bit of it happened Immediately after the novel came out, it all happened just like he wrote about. And it's just like, you can't be serious. It's like, yep. And sometimes those books, just the, the timing of them is, is in, in a place where nobody wants to hear it. Well, see, what happened was he was making comment on what he saw happening around him. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I didn't realize until just this morning, just this very morning, Dave, I found somebody else who did the exact same thing in 1939. Uh, Time magazine named a woman named Dorothy Thompson, a journalist, as the second most influential woman in America next to Eleanor Roosevelt. And she was saying exactly the same things as Sinclair Lewis. She was warning almost exactly, what if you think, 1939? 80 years ago, 80 years prior would be 2019. See what I mean? Yeah. And so the very first time she wrote a dire warning was uh, 20, it was 1935. And so 80 years after that would be 2015. And so just think, uh, three more years from now, three more years from now is the 80-year anniversary of her beginning to just scream loud and long about what was happening in America. Mm -hmm. And so you had Dorothy Thompson and Sinclair Lewis almost exactly 80 years ago. And like I said, in about three, four, five more years, we're in a window just as we cross over 2013 into the final 10-year upswing to the zenith of the we. Mm-hmm. It's like keep your head down, legalistic, narrow-minded, uh, self-righteous rat bastards get the power, mm-hmm. and nobody is quite measuring up. I mean, it's kind of like it's almost like uh, you know, just think Nazis, and it's that's the mentality in all of Western society. It's the uh, craziest thing you've ever seen. Have you, have you read Eric Hoffer's The True Believer? No, I'm familiar with it, but I've never read it. 1951. I, I have a copy of it, and I've I've skimmed through it. I'm going to pull it back out. I've, I've just pulled it up on. I'm just looking at Wikipedia at it, and and he analyzed um, the motives of various types of personalities that gave rise to mass movements. And of course, he's writing about it in in the late 40s, early 50s. So he's He's analyzing that rise of, of fascism. Right at the tail end of it. At the tail end of it. Yep. And he's also seeing the beginning of, of it in the East. Right. Right. So as it, as it starts to uh, rise in China, um, you know, he's, he's looking at that as well. But, but uh, interesting because he's, he's saying some of the exact same things. Uh, mass movements appeal to frustrated people who are dissatisfied with their current state but are capable of a strong belief in, in the future. As well, they appeal to people who want to escape a flawed self right. by creating an imaginary self. 
and joining a collective whole. There you go. I'm telling you, it's scary stuff. And what I'm saying is, I'm not a fear monger. I detest fear mongers. I am profoundly irritated by people who like to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And they're always looking for some boogeyman to be afraid of. And I mean, those people really just disgust me. And I do not want to be mistaken for one of those people. So I was very resistant to write the book. But then I said, you know what? I'm going to point it out. And then I'm going to suggest some antidotes for how we can, if we choose, um, mellow out, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, we, we end the book by actually talking about what you can do to, to make a difference in your own small way, what you can do to, to help counteract what's, what's happening societally. But at least it'll help, person at the, it'll help people at the very least, Dave, to, to understand what's happening around them mm-hmm. and to... Um, it be less confused by it, you know? Sure. Because you'll understand that at least that the driving forces are not entirely bad, but we always take a good thing too far. Yeah. But the reason there is a cycle is it's a choice. There's the, only, the hardest choices in life are the choices between two good things. And on the right, on the me, um, the good things are individuality, self-expression, freedom, and creativity. Mm-hmm. Those are good things, but we always take a good thing too far, and then it becomes phony, hollow posing up at the zenith. Mm-hmm. And then on the me, on the, on the left there, you have working together for the common good, the suppression of self mm-hmm. to work for the benefit of all. It's my planet too. You know, It's not about one of us. It's about all of us together. And so groupthink becomes very popular, and uh, that's a beautiful dream. But again, we always carry a good thing too far. And then we begin to regret when we get up to the zenith. We begin to regret what we left behind. Sure. And we are attracted back toward the center. And then we gain momentum as we begin to taste what it was we left behind. And we haven't had any of that in a long time. And then guess what happens? We take that thing too far. And so these two positive good things, the me and the we, um, we always regret what we left behind and we head back the other way, but a round trip is 80 years. It's pretty much a lifetime. And, and, and we drag everybody with us. Yeah, and we, all, yeah. we always do it together. Yeah. We do it as a society collectively. But anyway, you ask, you know, what's the scary stuff? That's the scary that's stuff. That's it. So yeah. uh, the book comes out April 3rd. At pendulum. least that's or, yeah. the, the Pendulum book, uh, a- April 3rd. And I can see on Amazon you can pre-order it now. Roy, when's the next two-day – is it two-day or three? Two-day workshop. It's a two-day class. I think it's April 17th, April 1718, org. Okay. Go to wizardacademy.org and look at Pendulum, and um, it'll be a hoot. Like I said, is you'll never be the same. Yeah, oh, I hear you. Well, thank you so much, Roy. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk about the Pendulum, where we've been, how we got there, where we're headed. And look forward to the next time we can uh, get you on the podcast. Always fun. Talk to you later, Dave. Thank you, Roy. And thank you for listening to the Branding Blog Podcast. I'm Dave Young. Talk to you next week.